Amen. If you're standing up at home and we're singing along, woo, that's great. We love it. Why don't you go ahead and take a seat? Good morning, South Shore. It is good to be with you today. We miss you and know that we're going to be seeing you really soon. Well, last week we started a brand new series called Entrusted, and uh, we are really excited about that, and we are looking forward to keep going on that. But uh, we're going to put it aside for a few weeks while we're online together. And then we're going to pick it back up when we get together. You know, uh, we're going to do something different now. It's interesting how you make a plan. And this wasn't part of our original plan, but God has new plans, and he has plans that are not our plans always. And the times that we live in are quite difficult to put into words adequately. There are times that are frustrating and they're confusing. Things are hard. We all feel that and we're weary. We acknowledge it. It's been going on for a, a long time. And as we were thinking about this and thinking about this new lockdown, the elders discussed among themselves that maybe God had just something new for us to, to talk about and to learn about in the next four weeks. So as we prayed about it and talked about it, uh, the Lord led us, and he led us to, to be encouraged in these difficult times, and he led us to Acts chapter 16. So we're putting entrusted aside for a few weeks, and we're in a brand new series, even in the last few days that the Lord has just led us to. It's a new four-week series that we're launching called God is Still in Control. God is Still in Control. And that really says it all, doesn't it? If we believe that, if we understood it, that it takes an awful lot of pressure off, it gives us a lot of peace, and it reorients us. God is still in control. We're going to study the life of Paul, how God led Paul in this chapter and his companions. as He led them through some confusing times. And in Acts chapter 16, you're going to see that God is in control. And he was still in control of all that was going on in their lives. I have to admit, I really love this chapter. Certain chapters of the Bible uh, stick out to you. And this is one that has meant a lot to me for a lot of reasons. I love what we learn about how God guides, how he led them, how he took them through some difficulties, and how uh, we're going to see in a couple of weeks how this faith-filled worship explode from a prison cell exploded when they were chained up and how the church was born. There's a lot of great stuff in this chapter for us. And we could see, we could say that God's sovereignty is all over Acts chapter 16. There's a lot there for us. When we speak of God being sovereign, it means that he is over all, that he has all authority, that he has all power. And it means that nothing happens in the universe outside of his power and will. Say that again. Nothing in this universe happens outside of God's power and his will. God is sovereign. He is still in control. Simply stated this, God is in complete control of every little thing. He's in complete control of every little thing. Acts chapter 16 wonderfully shows us that. Do you remember back in Sunday school, you sang that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got you and me brother. He's got you and me sister. He's got everyone here in his hands. Remember that? I have a little uh, globe that sits on my, my shelf in front of my desk, and it's just a, a little beautiful globe of the earth, and sometimes I put it in my hand, and I'm just reminded that God holds this world in his hand. He's got it all in his care and his keeping. 
And Jesus Christ, we learn in Colossians, is the creator of absolutely everything that there is. He has got the whole world that he made firmly in his sovereign and powerful hands. Not only is the world in his hands, but we are in his hands. You are in his hands as an individual. God has got your life in his care in his hands. We expand that. We say, so sure, as a church, we are in the hands of God. He's taking care of every little detail. It is a little world in the hands of a very big God. You can rest in that today. Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to read from verses 6 to 10. Take your Bibles. You're going to need them this morning. Maybe you're going to need to flip to some maps as well as we look at some geography. Let's see God's sovereignty displayed. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this text, there are wonderful lessons. There's many lessons that we can apply to our lives and the life of the church. Ultimately, we're going to see that, yes, yes, God is still in control. The account that we read here is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey that took place in A.D. 49 to 52. Now, by way of background and explanation, I won't have you turn there, but Acts chapter 15 has Paul returning to Jerusalem And there he meets with the Jerusalem elders and council, and they're making a decision, and they come down with a decision that says that Gentile Christians don't need to keep the law of Moses. They don't need to be circumcised in order to follow Jesus. So this was a wonderful decision they came with. And now Paul and Barnabas, at the end of chapter 15 and into chapter 16, they're returning from Jerusalem back to Antioch, where they had been, and they're delivering this news to the churches, strengthening and encouraging the disciples there. So they're there for a while in Antioch, and they spend, the Bible says, a considerable amount of time there. And then Paul dis- determines, he decides that he wants to go back and revisit the churches that they started in his first missionary journey. So he's going to go and just check on people and see how they're doing and encourage the churches. That's a good thing. It was a one-year checkup. Well, at this point, Paul and Barnabas part ways, You know the story that Barnabas takes uh, John Mark with him and they go to Cyprus. And Paul decides to take Silas with him and he's going to go on on this missionary journey. And now it would be good, if you have in the back of your Bible a little Bible map, it would be good for you to flip there and look at the part that says Paul's missionary journeys and you're going to see the little arrows that that uh, trace and track where he went because we're going to see some places. In Lystra, so Paul leaves Antioch and he takes Silas with him in Lystra where Paul had nearly been killed uh, just a little way before he was stoned and left for dead uh, by an angry mob, 
he's going back to this place. I'm not sure if we'd go back to the place that just a little while before they were still there. And these are probably not really big cities where you could hide and uh, live in some corner of the city without being known. So Paul goes right back into the midst of the place where he almost lost his life. And there he meets a young disciple named Timothy. And he, he meets Timothy and he brings Timothy along with he and Silas to be part of this journey of strengthening new believers. We're going to see here that God is building the ministry team. If you've got a friend or a prayer partner, if you've got someone, a colleague in ministry, uh, just be thankful for ministry teams. I'm thankful for the elders. I'm thankful for the young leaders that are here at the church. God builds his ministry team. A fourth member that we're going to see in this text would soon be added. From Lystra, Paul and these other two move on to Iconium, and they eventually reach Pisidian Antioch. Uh, and that was to be their turnaround point, uh, but God had other plans, and their journey was really just beginning. They were, they were heading to the end, and they were going to go back, but God had other plans. So the outline for our message today, that was by way of introduction. The outline is really simple. Two points. We're going to conclude it and apply it at the end. The first point is this. There was closed doors, and there was an open door. Point one, closed doors. Point two, there was an open door. That's the outline for our message this morning. Let's look at the first one, the closed doors. Paul had a plan. He had a good plan. Planning is good. But here's what we need to know. God is not bound by our plans. Maybe you can say amen to that. Because he's God. And God had a different plan for Paul. Um, sometimes you can reflect in your life, maybe you thought you were headed for destination A, and somewhere in the midst of that, God took you to destination B. You had a plan to go here, but he took you, he put you, he moved you there, and something completely unexpected happened. Instead of turning around and heading back to Antioch, uh, Paul had this idea that he would head southwest, and he would move down towards Ephesus, or down towards Colossae. Ephesus was in Asia Minor, it was the epicenter of Asia, but there was a hiccup in the plan. The hiccup we see in verse 6, the, load, the Lord excuse me, closed the door. Look at verse 6. When they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, watch this phrase, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So here they were risking, pioneering, they were on this mission. Paul had just come through this, this difficult city, and, and they were wanting to move forward, and they were saying, let's, let's scrap that plan, and let's move down towards Ephesus. But what happened? Well, the Lord put a barrier in their way. The Lord put a barrier in their way, and God has every right to put a barrier in our way. He has every right to mess up our plans. Do we like it? Absolutely not. Here's what Proverbs 16.9 says. Let's uh, take a moment and flip over that. You need to underline this verse in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. This really speaks to Paul's condition, his situation. It says this, The heart of man plans his way. Oh, what a great verse. But the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. In other words, uh, we take steps, we move, but God directs. And we don't always know how God's going to move. We can outplan God, and the problem is, if you're a planner, we can make our plan more important than God's plan. We can hold our objectives, our strategies, our plans so tightly in our hands that, that, that God has to pry it out of our fingers and say, I'm going to give you a different plan. And we don't like when our agendas get messed up, do we? This is especially true for those who like schedules 
and those who like carefully crafted strategies. Perhaps that's you today. Well, God doesn't always give us the reason why to our protests and to our complaints. You know, I I can just hear Paul today saying, God, why can't we go into Asia? What's wrong with that? God, it totally makes sense. It's it's so strategic if we can just reach Ephesus. The whole gospel is going to just burst into Asia Minor. Those are some of the complaints we have. God, don't you see that there's this great opportunity ahead of us? And then there comes the aftermath of our disapproval. We call that pouting and whining and uh, cold-shouldering God and the silent treatment when we don't get our own way. Sounds like what we did when we were kids. When we don't get what we want, what happens? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that with God? Or as a strategy of response, we might think this. It's easy to do that. We might think that the devil is at work, and he's messing what, what God wants. The devil is at work, and he's stopping what we're supposed to be doing, and we get angry at the devil. And so we try to fight back, and we try to kick in the devil's door. Well, God's work, brothers and sisters, is very clear. It is not the devil that is at work in Acts chapter 16. It's not the devil that was messing up Paul's plans. Who is it? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's doing it. And our strengths, I'm just reminded this morning, our strengths can turn into weaknesses if they're not kept in check. For example, you can be diligent, you can be planned, and you can be strategic, but it can quickly turn unhealthy And it can quickly turn into drivenness if you hold that in higher esteem and higher regard than what God desires. Now, we don't like being unpredictable. I must confess that I do not like ambiguity. I like structure. I like things planned out. I like to know the next steps. Maybe you're like that too. I don't like to know, or I, I don't like to not know what's going on. But God sometimes keeps us in the dark, and he He moves us forward when we have to trust him when we don't have all the pieces in place. And if anything, this has been a season of massive unpredictability and ambiguity in these last 14 or 15 months. But what is God trying to teach us? Well, one of the things he's trying to teach us is he wants us to put our trust in him and not in our plans and not in our ability to control things. And some of you are saying today, I've got a pretty firm grasp on what I want to see happen. I don't like it. Well, while we like to have a say in what's happening, here's what we know. We have no say in how the world operates. Ultimately, you're not going to like this, but we are totally out of control. But God is totally in control. That's what we like. God gets to make the rules because he's God. God gets to make the rules because he's the one who's in charge. God does what he wants, and he moves us how, and he moves us when, and he moves us where he wants us to be. Are you okay with that? Are you okay that God doesn't consult with you about your agenda, that God didn't check your daytimer yesterday, and he messed up your plans? Are you okay that God stepped into our history in 2020 and into 2021 and did something that we didn't want. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with God being God? Because you're going to kick and you're going to fight and you're going to scream if you insist on your own way. 
God says to us this morning, will we let God have his way? Do we want God's way more than our way? Brothers and sisters, let's not be like Jonah, who ran away and took a ship the opposite direction to where he was called to go. We all know how that story went down. Let's not be a Jonah today. While things didn't get much better for Paul and his companions, there was not just that one closed door. Look at the text, verse 7. There was a second closed door. Look at your Bible. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Another roadblock. On the move again, Paul, Silas, and Timothy decided, well, they couldn't go southwest, so let's try to go north. Let's share the gospel with the people of Bithynia, up by the southern shores of the Black Sea. But after they were proceeding in that direction, again, they had another roadblock. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go. I want you to keep in mind that in these two verses, and in this text that we're talking about, what's the distance that these guys covered through this very difficult terrain on foot? It was 500 miles, rugged terrain across what is today modern-day Turkey. So to recap, they started, they started trying to head southwest towards Colossae and Ephesus, but that failed. Then they tried to head north to Bithynia, and that failed. That left them with two options. They could turn around, and they could go back to Antioch, go home, say, what was this all about? Or they could head west to Troas, which was on the eastern coast of the Aegean Sea. 500 miles from the extreme uh, southeast to the extreme northwest of Asia. What a convoluted and confusing process this was for them. Perhaps you're on a journey that has taken a lot of months and a lot of distance, and you perhaps find yourself today that you don't really know what's up. You don't know where you are on the map, and maybe you feel like you're walking in the dark because you don't know what God is doing and where he's leading you. You ever been in that place? I've been there. It's not fun. Well, imagine what these brothers were feeling. You've been at this for many months. You're on a mission for God, but at this point, you're completely perplexed. You have no clue what God is doing. You don't know what his purposes are. And up to this point, God's guidance has seemed entirely negative. He's just given you the no. I don't know about you, but if it was me, I might be really tempted just to pack it in, pack it up, and go home. I'm done. Reflect for a moment how you respond to roadblocks and to delays and to setbacks and to God's answer of no. How have you responded in the season of COVID? How do you do every Friday when you hear an announcement that there's going to be another lockdown? Maybe you think, this is not God's will. Maybe you think, the devil is winning. Maybe you think, this world and this government is completely out of control. I say, God is still in control. The Word of God says, God is still in control. And I hope you have determination. I hope you have drive. But are you determined to do it your way in your strength? Or brothers and sisters, are you determined to wait on the Lord and to do it in God's strength, His timing, and His way? Here's what we need to see here, that a closed door, I'm going to say this again, the closed door is as much God's direction as an open door. 
God's answer of no is a beautiful thing. Wow, we didn't like that one, did we? God's answer of no is a beautiful thing. But our disappointments are God's appointments. Did you ever really want something, really, really want something that you couldn't get, that you didn't get, that you really tried to get, that fell through and that you whined about later? And that, in retrospect, a little bit later after that, you look back and you say, I'm really thankful I didn't get that thing, that I didn't go to that place, that I didn't do what I was wanting to do. You got any of those experiences in your life? I tried to buy a van once, and that was my little pout. Well, God has his wisdom and his reasons for saying no to us. And God has his wisdom and his reasons for what we're going through in 2021. Do you believe that today? Are you trying to fight to figure this out? You don't need to. Are you trying to kick open the door that God has closed? Don't do that. In the life of Paul and Silas and Timothy, God, listen, he wasn't playing some cruel game with them. He wasn't playing a cat and mouse game with them. God was still leading them. God was still in control. And we don't know the why of the divine detours that God puts us on. At least we don't know in the present. Sometimes we know in the future. We don't know how the Holy Spirit forbid them or how he put these roadblocks in their way. But here's what we do know. That God was with them, very present, every step they took across this 500-mile journey. We know that the Spirit of God was walking with them, working in them, right there at every turn. We know that Paul was teachable, that he was sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. I'm absolutely sure they didn't like these roadblocks. Just like we don't like them. But here's what they didn't do. They didn't pull in Abraham. They didn't say this like Abraham did. God, it seems like things are going a little tough in heaven right now. They're, they're a little slow. Maybe you're distracted. Abraham said, God, this is taking too long. God, I'm just going to help you out just a little bit. I have a solution for this problem that I'm in that you don't seem to be handling right now. They didn't, they didn't pull in Abraham. Even in the disappointments, they continued to follow the Spirit's guidance. When he said no, they obeyed. And let's be people who walk with Jesus, who are led by the Holy Spirit into what he is doing, even if we don't figure it out, even if we don't like the delays and the frustrations and the disappointments and the ambiguities and the shutdowns. You want to say amen to that today? Let's say amen. Yes, amen. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to walk with Jesus. Well, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You keep your eyes on the Lord and you keep praying. You don't quit. You stay faithful. Listen, it is not a matter of if God is going to open a door, but when he's going to open a door. Even today, if you have no idea where God is leading, he is still in charge. He is still leading you. So just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Do what God has called you to do. Keep praying and keep listening. And keep praying this, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done in my life and in this world and in COVID and in 2021. God, just as it is in heaven, this is what I'm seeking. You see, brothers and sisters, our plan can't be bigger than the master's plan. Our agenda for the mission can't supersede his great and wonderful plan. Even when the doors close, refuse on insisting upon your will. When God closes a door, refuse to follow the will of God because you have to have it your way.
There were two big closed doors for Paul. But guess what? Here's the good news. There was a very, very big open door that was about to open for them. Let's look at that. That's our second point, the open door. Well, though they were walking in the dark, they persisted, they moved forward. Verse 8, look at the text. It says this, So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Coming to Troas was not part of their original plan. They were way, way off course. But God was leading them to the city. And for them, this was the end, right? It was like a Red Sea experience. They had, they had nowhere else to go because there was a sea in either, and behind them, their back was to the sea or they could turn around and go home. But God put them in Troas. It was exactly the place that w- God wanted them to go. This journey that took many months, God led them exactly to this place for God's reasons. And do you think that God may be taking us, brothers and sisters, exactly as a church, maybe you individually, me individually, and our society, exactly to the place that he wants us to be? Do you think it's God who's been moving us through these divine detours exactly to the place that he wants us to be? It is. Even though when it's confusing and completely outside of our will, he has us right where he wants us. God will have his way, and God will make a way. Two very important things happened in this strategic seaport of Troas. The first was that they found a way forward. Woo, celebration, cheer here, thumbs up. We can try to kick open the closed door, and perhaps we'd be successful at kicking something open, doing some damage. We might break an ankle in the process, insisting on our own way. Or we can wait for the Lord, for the door that God opens up. And they waited for the Lord, and God opened up this wonderful door. Well, what will it be? Are we going to wait, or are we going to insist on our own way? There they were, walking in the fog, until one night Paul received a vision in Troas, and the door was opened up. I want you to hear this today. God is the one who opens closed doors. You believe that? The risen Jesus promised that just that very thing to one of the churches in Revelation. Jesus Christ is the master door opener, and he's the master door closer. Flip in your Bible ahead to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. To the church, Jesus said this. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. See that? The Lord opens the door that no one is able to shut. What, what can God do? God, God opens doors, doors that we thought were impossible, doors that we thought were never going to open up. God can open. God can open prison doors. Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 16. God opened up the door that seemed impossibly shut in Albania and the gospel in July of 1991 came in. In 1993, Canada thought that it was going to be impossible for Christian radio to be across this country, but in July, or excuse me, in June of 1993, God opened up the door for Christian radio. Now we are thankful for the ministry of Life 100.3. God opens doors. God, in his sovereign purpose and his perfect timing, opens the doors. Look at verse 9. 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. God was clear. He spoke to him in a vision. God spoke at other times in visions too. To Peter about Cornelius in Acts 9. Excuse me, Acts 10. And God spoke to Ananias to come and to pray for Saul. And this vision said, come across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia and help us. Finally, thank you, Lord. This is the sign that they were waiting for. Clarity, an open door. This is what God had for them. Now it was finally coming together. They put two and two together. They could see, concluding, that God had been leading them all of this way and 150 miles just ahead of them across this sea to this place was the destination that God was preparing for them all along. And so immediately they, they boarded a boat they set out from the seaport to God's revealed destination. Brothers and sisters, God's going to take you where he wants you to be. All you need to do is just be willing. The same Holy Spirit that said no said go. The Lord's no was ultimately part of his yes. Asia was a no, but Macedonia was a yes. Commentator A.T. Pearson writes this. He says, we need to trust him for guidance, listen to this, and rejoice equally in his restraints, in his constraints. We, we love open doors. We need to rejoice in those restraints and constraints as well. That's so helpful for us. Keep trusting and maintain your joy even when God closes doors and then rejoice when he opens those doors. You see, it wasn't time for Paul to go to Ephesus, but it would be later. And it wasn't God's will for Paul to go to Colossae. He would never go there. But as we know from our series, that he would send one of Paul's disciples, Epaphras, to share the gospel there, to there and to Laodicea. That was the first thing that happened in Troas. God gave a big open door. The second thing was this, that they found a necessary and a needed journey companion. You see that in verse 10 where the language changes from the third person, they, which was Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to we. Who's the person who joins them? Who's this we? Who's the new journey member? Who's the fourth member of the team? Well, it is none other than the writer of the Acts of the Apostles. It's Luke. Look at verse 10. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So providentially, Paul meets Dr. Luke. He was a beloved physician. And he accompanies this trio onwards for the next leg of the journey. Some commentators surmise that Paul's health had deteriorated and that he needed to seek the help of a physician to walk with him, almost a personal physician. We know that he had thorn in the flesh and he had been beaten up and left for dead and no doubt that his body was, was racked with pain and some challenges. But not only was Luke a physician, but he would also become a beloved ministry companion and a partner with the Apostle Paul. And he would be with Paul right at the end of his life. In his final letter from a Roman prison cell, this is what Paul writes. You see this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says this. What a beautiful statement. Luke alone is with me. The Luke that joined them in Troas in the moment that we're talking about was there in that prison cell with the Apostle Paul on death row when no one else was there. 
God had a reason to send them to Troas. Not only that, but Luke would become the writer of all that we're talking about, and so much more in the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke. God, listen, God wanted Paul in Troas. It was not part of Paul's plans, but it was God's A plan for them. God wanted Paul to be there to receive what we now call the Macedonian call. And God wanted them there because he wanted Luke to join this team, to strengthen this ministry team, to make it more robust, because God had a work for all of them to do. And that's good, that's good, but guess what? Listen, there's even more, and I wanna give you the big reveal right now. There was something more that God had. You ready for the big picture? This is exciting, here goes. Here goes, ready? They found a whole new world. You see, because God led Paul to Troas, listen to this, the first seed of the gospel would be planted in the soil of Europe. Paul didn't have the dream to go to Europe. Paul was content. His vision, it seems that his vision was as big as Asia Minor, but God said that's not a big enough vision. I'm gonna send you to a brand new continent. I'm gonna send you to a brand new world. And so here they are. This is epic. God's saying, I'm gonna send you beyond these borders that you're limited by and that you're limited in your thinking. I'm gonna send you to a place that you didn't even dream of. God sends them we're going to find out about that next week. To Macedonia. All Paul could think of was Asia Minor, but he's going to be in Europe. And guess what? Europe would lead to the rest of the entire world. The gospel coming to Europe would then travel and spread, even as we know Paul traveled through Albania, and he traveled to Rome, and he wanted to travel to Spain. And guess what? That hasn't stopped. God's moving them to Troas, moved the gospel from Asia Minor to Europe, and guess where it spread? Somewhere along the way, it came to Canada. And somewhere along the way, there was the first Christian who came to Barrie, Ontario. That gospel that spread to Europe has spread to us. God knows what he's doing. God is in control. G. Campbell Morgan said this. He said, I love this, he said, it is better to go to Troas with God than anywhere else without him. Say that again. It is better to go to Troas with God than anywhere else without him. You want to be with God in a place that maybe you don't understand? It's better with God where he is than any other place that God is not because God knows what he's doing. So sure, let me tell you, God is at work in our difficult journey. He is with us and leading us to an end that we cannot yet grasp. But know this, God has got you in his grasp. God is still in control. He is still leading us. He's still leading us you. And so let's go through COVID with God. It is better to be in COVID with God than to be anywhere else. Let's keep waiting for God's open doors. Let's keep allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us because you know what? There's more going on than we can see. What's God doing? Paul couldn't see it. He didn't know it at the time, but we can see it. You know why we can see it? Because we have the Bible and we have Acts chapter 16. We can see what God was doing. We can see ahead. We can see Lydia at the water's edge. We can see a city that received the gospel. We can see an earthquake. We can see a jailer who came to Christ with his family. We can see a church being born. And you know what? There's something even more than that. We have in our hands in this word of God the letter to, to who? To the Philippians. Why is the letter to the Philippians written? Why did you read that? Why did you study it? Why did you pray it? 
because of what happened here in this text. God wanted the letter to the Philippians to be in this book, and so he sent them to Troas and sent them over the sea. God, who was still in control, gave them a very big open door. When the time we have left, I want to conclude by asking us, what are the doors of discovery? What does God have for us to learn through this? What lessons in this unprecedented season of COVID? Two things. There's some things that God wants us to discover about himself. Firstly, he wants us to see that his ways are, are always right. God's ways are always right. Job 42 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God's ways are always right. God's plan of bringing the gospel to every part of the world, listen, is still happening today. God is still at work. He's still on the move. Jesus Christ is Lord and the gospel is spreading. Second thing we need to see is that God's timing is always perfect. His ways are always right and his timing is always perfect. Yes, Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. Yes, David waited 15 years to become king. Yes, in silence, Israel waited 400 years for the coming of the Messiah. But in the perfect, in the fullness of time, God's will unfolds for us. Listen, be encouraged. At the right time, God's plans and will come to pass. The third thing we need to see about this, about who God is, is that God is always leading us. We are not abandoned. The Lord is with us in the journey. His hands are holding the church together. He's holding you together. And William Cooper in 1774 wrote this great hymn. Maybe you know it. It says, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. His, he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Listen to this verse. Deep in unsearchable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. God moves in wonderful and mysterious ways. He doesn't tell us what he's doing. He doesn't let us in on his plans. But he has bright designs, and he has wonderful plans for you, brothers and sisters. And secondly, what do we need to learn about ourselves? That's who God is. Well, we need to learn that, that we need to lay down our agendas. We need to lay down our agendas. Who's Whose will is it going to be? Whose way is it going to be? My will be done, or God, yours, your will be done. Are you okay today with not being in control? Are you okay today with not getting what you want in the way that you want it? Lay down your agenda. Second, follow the leading of God's spirit. Be a good planner. <laughs> be a wise and, and prayerful strategic planner, but at the end of the day, listen carefully to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, I think it's just speaking of what Paul did, says this. If we live by the Spirit, Galatians 5, 25, he says this. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Can you see Paul, Silas, and Timothy keeping in step with the Spirit? Not going where he didn't want them to go, but going in the direction he wanted, even, even though they didn't maybe understand it at the time. And then getting on that boat and heading to Macedonia, they were being led by the Spirit. They were keeping in step with the Spirit. And third is this, follow the leading of God's spirit and then trust God and experience his peace. Trust God and experience his peace. We don't know what's going on, but we can trust the God who does know what's going on. And we're gonna keep taking steps forward and we're gonna keep walking in faith, believing that God 
is absolutely still in control. This verse that I love that's meant a lot to me as a believer for Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Personally, if you've got some roadblocks right now, God's gonna make your paths straight. He's gonna open the doors. You just need to acknowledge him, to trust him, and to walk in faith. How's God been speaking to you this morning in Acts chapter 16? How's God been speaking to you? What has he said to you today? Well, here's what I know. I, I wanna walk in faith, and I want to say yes to what God's doing. And here's what I believe can be a faith affirmation for us. You're gonna see it on the screen. This is our faith affirmation in, in lockdown. The simple statement, God is sovereign, and he is good, and he has a good plan. God is sovereign, he is good, and he has a good plan. For 500 miles, Paul could not see it, but then he did. He could see it. Then he understood. Would you say that phrase with me? If you believe that in your heart this morning, why don't we say that together, this faith affirmation. Let's do it together. Here we go. God is sovereign. He is good, and he has a good plan. Therefore, we're going to keep our eyes on him. We're going to keep our eyes on him, resting in his peace, trusting in his power, and faithfully serving his purposes. For Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, and our God is still in control. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we affirm that you're a sovereign God. We affirm that you're a good God. And that we affirm that your plans and purposes for us are good. Uh, Lord, we are part of what you did in Troas, that the gospel is spreading to Europe, to all parts of the earth. And we thank you, Lord, that we never leave your care. And for the individual, Lord, today who is struggling because the journey has been long and dark and hard, and they want to give up, oh God, encourage them, call them, beckon them forward to, to keep trusting, to keep their eyes upon you. And Lord, help us to rise up in faith and to seize the day and to walk with you, being led by your Holy Spirit. Help us, Father, to find the open doors in the midst of the closed doors. God, what do you want us to walk through? What do you want us to learn? What do you want us to do, Lord, in this season? Strengthen, Lord, us as individuals. Strengthen South Shore Bible Church. Lord, strengthen your people in this city, in this province, in this country. Strengthen your people around the world. And Father, we pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth and in our lives, just as it is in heaven. So be glorified, so be magnified. And all God's people said, with grateful hearts, knowing God is still.